What's going on, everybody? It's Sean from the From the Stands podcast. I'm here with my brother, Ian, as I always am. We do have another giveaway going on right now on our Instagram page. Ian, what can the people win this week? What's up, everybody? Hey, this week we are offering one lucky winner a chance to win a signed Jumbo Joe Thornton puck. Again, here's how you enter. This is all on Instagram, but check it out here too. Um, Make sure you like the post on IG follow from the stands and homes by Steven on Instagram and then subscribe to the from the stands podcast. Send us a DM of that and you get entries for all of those. So make sure again, if you want a bonus, follow us on Twitter at from the stands pod and make sure you tag as many friends as possible. Cause those are entries as well. Guys, make sure you send us a DM of you subscribing to the podcast. We have a lot of people that are commenting, a lot of people that are liking the, po- the, the post, but you got to send us the subscription. But this is all made possible because of our sponsor, Stephen Lambis Real Estate. Stephen is a top producing realtor in the greater Toronto area, known for his extensive market knowledge and unmatched devotion to his clients. Whether you are looking to buy, sell, or lease, he is there to help guide you through every step of the way. Be sure to check them out at Homes by Steven on Instagram or online at homesbysteven.ca. Big pod, Ian. Enough of the plugs. Let's get to the podcast. it coming James Harden has been traded we have our divisional round games and picks coming we got friends of the show Ryan Colville and Holmes coming on but Ian James Harden was traded and it was a doozy can you please I'm sure the listeners know but please where were all these pieces going it's a lot to sort of comprehend in the beginning, but I'm going to try and I'm going to try and decipher for you as best we can. So this is from Shams on Twitter. I think the Rockets and the Nets came out today and made the trade official. So this is official official. Um, so the Rockets are acquiring three book Brooklyn first round picks. That's in 2024, 2026 and 2022. They also acquire a Milwaukee unprotected first round pick for next season, 2022 and then they are guaranteed four Brooklyn first-round pick swaps. That is for this upcoming year, 2023, 2025, and 2027. They also acquire Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, for some reason, and Rodion's Karuks. So um, I don't see either of those players really making an impact for them. For the Nets, they acquire James Harden. The Pacers are acquiring Karis Levert and a second round pick. The Karis Levert, that is via Brooklyn. And the Cavs acquire Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. Now, if if, we're going to get to immediate thoughts, and I think we need to probably start with Harden. But the one thing I will say off the top is that depending on what who you depending on who you support and the way that you look at it, you can argue that every team in this trade got exactly what they wanted. But it's hard to think of a team that got as much for as little than the Cavs. Without question. You know, Torian Prince, like, I mean, I know his contract's not ideal. I get that. But Jared Allen is a blossoming star. 
at the center position. He's dirt cheap, restricted free agent coming up. But the Cavs got him for a Milwaukee unprotected first next year, which at best case is in the 20s, probably late 20s, but best case is in the, in the early 20s if mm-hmm. they really fall off or Drew Holiday leaves or whatever. But, I mean, other than that, you know, they, they didn't really give up a whole lot. Dante Exum was signed to, to a, a weird contract. I think it was right, 8 to 10 or 12 million, something like that. And then that's basically it. So, you know, I just wanted to get that off my chest off the top. I think the Cavs did great here. Uh, but we should probably dig into this trade a little bit. It's been sort of floated forever. And it finally happened. We got a big three in Brooklyn. I agree with you completely. I, the Cavs came out absolutely like gangbusters here. You get Jared Allen that you can move on his own for a better pick than the 24th to 30 to the 30th pick. Like, of course you can. Well, I mean, of course you can. You, I think the pick you get from the Raptors is better than that. Of course. And I, I'm going to give you a moment on the Raptors in a minute here, but I, I do want to just get to a few different topics here, Ian, on the James Harden deal. First and foremost, the fit in Brooklyn. Obviously, and I think I Charles Barkley, I think, put it best. Kevin Durant is going from the Splash Brothers to the Dribble Brothers. So, yes, James Harden is a transcendent offensive player. He also peaks at a usage rate of 40%. And I think his career, and he was a career and started his career off the bench, is like 33.3% as a usage rate. That is crazy. So you're adding that in, and you got Kyrie. And listen, I'm not, I don't want to bash on Kyrie because there's a lot of unknowns going on. And until you know everything, you can't be too judgmental here. The, The video, why he's away from the team. We're not going to touch that, or I'm not, anyways. I'm not going to touch that because it just feels like there's too many. No, I mean, no. Why are we pretending like we know? We don't know what's going on. And, you know, while while you say the Harden thing, look, I mean, it's impossible for me to believe that Duran and Harden did have this conversation, right? Like, there's just no way that that Harden didn't say, hey, do you want to run together in Brooklyn? And Duran's like, yeah. You know, you know, bring that 40% usage rate or whatever the hell it was over here. Like, I'm sure there was a discussion. James is going to have to. And look, like, I think if you're, if you're a Brooklyn fan, right? I don't know how many there are. But if you're a Brooklyn fan, you know, you got to be looking at it like, this is going to take time. Because if LeBron, Wade, and Bosch took time, which is a much better fit than this, this yep. is going to take time. I mean, James is going to be asked to do things that he hasn't done for the better part of eight seasons. So he's going to be asked to run and cut and play off the ball and play consistent defense and all Lose that Lose some stuff. weight, maybe? Well, I mean, look, he's he's done that before. I mean, obviously, and not well, like while, while we're at it, how he handled himself in Houston was disgraceful. And if I'm cheering for any team to lose in the Eastern Conference, it's Brooklyn only because of how they've handled that situation. Sorry, how Harden handled himself. That has nothing to do with the Brooklyn Nets. has nothing to do with Harden. I'm not a Harden fan, never have been. This just made it worse. But, you know, back to the point. I mean, Durant and Harden have had this discussion. There's no way they haven't. You have to assume that James is going to do the stuff that he hasn't for the last eight years. And I I want to stick on Kevin because he has – one of my questions to you, Ian, was whose team is this? And it needs to be Kevin Durant's. Well, it's Durant. I mean, I, I, okay. but I don't even think that's debatable. Well, but it's going to be. 
It is going to be debatable. By who, though? By James Harden. It is. And, and I know that you said that they've had that conversation, but what I worry about is two things with Kevin Durant. We've seen him before with another ball-dominant star, and that was Russell Westbrook, and he deferred too much. I do not think that he is that player anymore. I think that when, by going to Golden State, winning those titles, and feeling like it was Steph's team and getting the hell out of there, I don't think he's going to let that happen again. And he's playing incredible right now. He's playing incredible. So I just wanted to bring that part up because I think, I think that's one of the, he's back to being one of the two or three best dudes on the planet. I think that's something to mention though. And what I also don't love while understanding that this is not the, the Brooklyn Nets final team, they still have a mid-level exception. They still have the buyouts and they still have, I believe whatever that new exception is about, um, you know, when someone, basically if someone gets hurt, you have an exception with that. My who, who are you concern. Bring, who are you, hang on, hang on, hang on. My concern is who, who is who? Who is who's guarding Jason Tatum, Giannis, Jalen Brown, Siakam? Like I, I know Siakam probably doesn't deserve being there, but like the good scoring forwards that are currently in the East right now, it's Kevin Durant. That's a lot to put on Kevin Durant. It's like you're our star on offense, and think, you have to be our best defensive player. I'm worried about. Worried that. About- I don't think they're worried about defense right now. I think they got to be worried about fit. And look, you can talk about the exceptions and the buyouts. The Raptors are a perfect example right now of what bargain bin shopping for centers looks like. And unless you have somebody in mind that you're going to somehow trade for, maybe you're flipping a guard. Maybe it's Landry Shamit who's in the doghouse. Maybe it's Landry Shamit. That's who you're flipping to get a center. I, I mean, who's out there? You know, would, would, would the, would the Kings move Rashawn Holmes? possible although with Bagley being so bad I doubt it you know so maybe good luck with that again like you know you talk about guys playing with oven mitts and I love biz but we're the Raptors are a perfect example of how bargain bin center shopping can go horribly wrong and look I don't think they're going to do that I think they're going to rely on DJ rely on some of their young guys and if buyouts come they'll come but you know how often do buyout guys really move the needle? You know, every year, every year, you know, we as Raptor fans get pissed when buyout player X goes to X team. I remember last year being pissed that Marvin Williams went to the Bucks. Guy retired after that. You know, we got Jeremy Lin once in a buyout. Didn't bring us much. You know, that very infrequently do we see buyouts work out. But I, I want to transfer. I want to. I want to transition quickly to the other teams in the trade. Re- really quick. Really, qu- really quick before you get there, because I do want. I do want to let you get there. But I just had three really quick things. One, how do you not get PJ Tucker in this deal when you're giving up in theory seven first round picks, which it's not, but let's say three. How do you not get PJ Tucker? Because that alleviates a lot of the defensive stress. Number two. Do you see the Harden Vince Carter comps? Because I don't. And it's been talked about. Vince did definitely quit on the Raptors, but not to this degree. Not like this. It wasn't this bad. And again, I, I just I, I just want to say this isn't Golden State that's happening here. You already have a volatile star in Kyrie. You're bringing in another volatile star in James Harden. Like, yes, this offense has the ability to be elite, elite. But this this ain't Golden State, baby. This isn't Stephen Clay. This is Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And I'm all here to watch it, but I am concerned. Go ahead. Vince, Vince, on Vince's best day, was never even remotely as close to good as James Harden. Agreed. 
I meant more so, of the, the exit. Yeah. I thought what James did was egregious. I thought the fact that his Houston teammates, guys that, you know, I, you know, Wall and Boogie, they weren't there. But guys like Tucker and Gordon and all those guys turning on James must mean, and those are guys that rode for James pretty hard. It must mean that they were flagrantly disgusted with his behavior. And you know what? It's funny, you know, and I don't want to transit. The reason I want to transition is transition to Houston. The Westbrook trade was a disaster, an utter disaster. Somehow they turned. You know, and I loved the, the deal that they got Chris Paul in the beginning. I think it was like Montrez Harrell and uh, Lou Williams and dudes like that that went back. Sam Decker went back to the Clippers. They brought Paul in and then flipped Paul for and a bunch of picks for Westbrook, basically gashing their future. Where if they would have been able to hold on, again, all this is because of Harden. Mm-hmm. And if they're able to hold on to Paul, they get, you know, whatever the offer was that, that Phoenix gave up, protected first and stuff and whatever. But here we are. And... They got a little bit of a future again. Like, yeah, the picks in 2022 and, you know, the swap this year and the, the swap, swap this year in 23 right, right. and possibly even in 2024 aren't going to be great. But 25, 26, 27 have the chance to be juicy, juicy, juicy assets. Mm-hmm. And those are, re- those are rebuilding blocks right there. And, I, you know, I wasn't huge on, you know, people are all up in arms about the Oladipo-Levert thing. To me, that doesn't matter. I think Oladipo is a better player. Levert for the Pacers makes more sense. Younger, cost controlled. Get it. Totally get it. But Levert's the, not without Levert's not without without freaky injury concerns too. And, and Fertitta has gets what he wants, which is if Oladipo's not good, it's just shed salary and he's fine. That like that's sure. he can he can so, just walk away from it on that side. And we already talked about the Cavs. Uh, they came away like gangbusters. I agree with you. I think I think the the three teams. I think Houston got what they wanted. I, we don't have enough time to dive too deep into the Philly offer and all that kind of stuff because we do want to bring the boys on. But, you know, I, I think they got what they wanted. They got, well, you know, you, a, just a, hang a, on. Go ahead. Go ahead. The one thing I'll say about Houston is this, is that a team of Wall, Oladipo, Tucker, Wood, Cousins is objectively fun. It it's objective, fun. and then yeah, and then your your other end guys are you know Eric Gordon and Exum will be sprinkled in there somewhere, whatever. But the if one thing Boogie I will say Cousins is Cousins is calling you out for hustle, effort, and not behavior. being a team guy. Yeah. If John good. Wall is looking at you like, what the fuck are you doing? You're a problem. You're a problem. I, I just do you want that? Like, I am so happy after seeing all this that the Raptors didn't trade Pascal. Or Fred, and to get this, well, if this was the offer. If this was the offer, it's never happening. And again, Houston is able to fix their future while also still being competitive and fun in the present. And I agree with you. Look, nothing, nothing precludes them from the, the only the only note I had on Houston. This is where I'm trying to get to. The only note I had on Houston is that I wish they would have kept Allen mm-hmm. because if this team has Allen, now I'm not sure. I think I think Wood personally is the center. Um, I'm not sure how the Allen and Wood thing fit because you got to pay Allen and you've already paid Wood. So I'm not sure how that would look. I understand that. But as an asset, just as an asset, I would much rather have Allen than I would having that Milwaukee first. And by the way, that's exactly what Cleveland's banking on. You know, they got five big men that all in theory should be in the rotation between um, Allen, uh, McGee, Love, uh, Love, 
um, Nance and, and Drummond, Drummond, all guys who should theoretically be in a rotation. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to move somebody. And my last thing I'm going to say is this. If I'm the Raptors, I need a big mm-hmm. calling Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I'm on the phone with Cleveland. Jared, no, no, they won't give you Jared. Okay. All right. Well, I don't want Kevin Love. Hey, what is Larry Nance going to cost you? Is it, oh, Norm Powell and Terrence Davis? Sounds good. Call it into the league. Really? Call it into the oh, league. Oh, I don't think so. I think, I think Nance Have you seen how way- good, how He's- good Nance has been playing? Yeah, I, I, I would think bring him. I would bring him in tomorrow. Him, Siakam, not, and Boucher. Not for Norm. Not for Norm. Him, Siakam, and Boucher are a playoff front. Our playoff rotation, big rotation. I just can't believe that they got Jared Allen for a late first round pick because they took on Torian Prince's money. So let's end here, Ian. Are you the least Call bit it rattled? In. Call it in. I would do, by Nance, the way, call it in. I would not do that trade. Zero percent chance. But with that said, are you the least the bit way. rattled that it, that all it cost was the late twenties pick, and you could have had a serviceable wing and a not a blue chip prospect, but like you know a purple prospect. Well, by the way, the Cavs wouldn't do that trade because based on how bad Norman Powell is, and that player option isn't going to be isn't going to be fun next year. Um, and you don't know about TDs circumstance let's say um yeah yeah but i think the problem is is that what money what money are the raptors using to what money can the raptors use to match uh, tory and prince's contract because between um between him and between him and alan you're probably at what 14 15 million an outgoing salary. How do the Raptors get there unless they're stacking guys? So like, okay, well, you know, it's Prince and Allen. Maybe they come here. We're stacking like Stanley Johnson's and Terrence Davis's. We're stacking people. We don't have the contract. So if it was just Allen, we could be like, hey, how about uh, Malachi and whatever, right? Because it's easy flip. But when you have Prince's 13 million or 12.6, whatever it is, it's hard to get to the money. Well, we could have done an hour on this. But we do have a lot more to get to. And with that said, the Nets got what they wanted. James Harden got what he wanted. The Pacers got what they wanted. The Rockets got what they wanted. And the Cavs got what they wanted. And the fans get what they wanted, which is to watch this circus. That is the Brooklyn Nets, who are must-see TV. And Kevin Durant, good luck. You have been balling. Let's get to the NFL. Ian, we're done with Harden. We now move on to the final eight teams in the NFL. But before we get there, let's introduce who's joining us this week for picks and a quick recap topic. Well, I'm glad to be done with Harden. That was enough. I am excited to talk little bit of NHL, last night's Leafs-Habs, and we're going to get into some football as well. We have Mr. Ryan Koval with us again, and Tomes is back. It's been a little hiatus, but uh, thanks, boys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I was was licking my wounds. Tomes, (laughs) uh, let's start here. The NHL opened up last night, and it was our beloved Maple Leafs against your beloved 
uh, Habitant. I was going to try and do the red, white, blue, and French, but I I, I wasn't going to get there. So let's start here. What would that even be? Oh, it's uh, uh, no, they do it. The bleu blanc rouge. Yes, yes, yes. So we have Coach Colville. This makes me like them less, just for whatever that's worth. (laughs) We have Coach Colville, and we have a Canadians fan, and we have two Leaf fans here. Ian, you and I thoroughly enjoyed last night's game, just to have hockey back. Forget about the X's and O's. We'll get there in a second. Tomes. Outside of Josh Anderson being, you know, basically the second coming of oh, wait, Nolan. Gretzky, what do you think <laughs> of your of your hockey team? Couple couple good things I, I, I saw yesterday that I was very happy with. Um, one being Nick Suzuki is going to be a good player in this league. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. I was very happy with what I saw there. That's number one. Number two. Our, our back end has solidified itself, I think, as potentially, I mean, this is one game, but I think at, at, we're going to look at the end of the season and say, if everyone stays healthy, the Montreal's top four D could be a top five set in the NHL, I think. They are solid across the board. Um, they play very well. And there's one player in particular, I think a lot of Hab fans were very excited to see last night, and that was Romanov. And he was not shy. No. He got thrown into a lot of opportunities right away. He was given some opportunities on the power play as well. He uh, jumped in on some rushes, made that beautiful pass to Tatar, which eventually led to a goal, which was his first overall NHL point. And then to top it all off, I think I was worried across the board, not just with, with the Habs, but I think with all teams, with the lack of, or sorry, rather no preseason games and a shortened training camp how were goalies going to react to this? And you know what? At times last night, I was not worried at all. I mean, with what I saw with Price, he looked good. He looked big. He looked relaxed, calm. Um, you know, I, I know we spoke briefly about this, his counterpart on the other side with Anderson. He did make some big saves, but there were some ones last night too. You got to save yourself. And Freddie, you, you know, usually or has to make those saves, right? Could have made it, could have made it a very different game. I mean, the fourth, the fourth goal for sure is one where is that the one through the arm. Yeah. The one that Bogosian probably wishes he didn't pinch, even though JT was covering JT stutter stepped for some reason on Josh Anderson. And then it was just flipped under, under the arm. But yes, I, I, that was JT's the one where... life. JT's life is a never ending stutter step. <laughs> I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it's exciting. It's fun. Hockey's back. I mean, the numbers looked pretty interesting yesterday that what sports that, um, revealed they had Leafs Habs 2.1 million viewers last night 6.6 overall I mean these are good numbers for, you know Canadian viewers I think this is what it was overall listen we get to do this nine more times between now and and May which is going to be very very fun so Ryan I want to throw to you stay on the Canadians and, and give us was there anything that jumped out to you about, about the Canadians or the Maple Honestly, if you want to pivot to the Maple Leafs as well, like I, I just want your thoughts on last night's game. I know you tuned in, I think, halfway through the first, if I'm not mistaken. You were finishing the Flyers and Penguins game, but talk to us a little bit about that game and just some of the things that jumped out to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my first impression, and I, I think I mentioned, I texted this to you guys yesterday, but I feel like people overreact a lot first game. And, you know, when you start talking about Toronto fans, <laughs> Toronto Maple Leaf fans, Overreaction is definitely a major part of, of what they do. Ten but, seconds. This team sucks. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it was it was like halfway through halfway through the game, and everyone was just you know fired up because they're down three <laughs> one, and it's, um, it's you know they're they're a period and a half into the season. But I mean, to me, the what what I saw from those two teams yesterday is we know Toronto is going to be there at the end of the season, whether they're first, second, third, fourth, fifth, fighting for the playoffs. They're not going to be out of it. I was more impressed with Montreal in terms of the expectations for them are a little bit lower. So to me, those two teams, there wasn't a lot separating them. And, um, and, and like Tom said, I mean, their, their defense really impressed me. And I, I like their defense prior. I mean, I, I, I'm a penalty kill coach, so I'm a big penalty kill guy. <laughs> and Sherratt, Sherratt and Weber are absolute dominant forces on the PK. Now you add in Edmondson and um, you know, I, I just, I love the mix that they've got. They've got guys that can skate. They can all move the puck. There's got some guys that are big. Um, so to me, and then obviously you got price behind them. So to me, I, I was more impressed with Montreal because I was a little bit more curious at where they're at. I know where Toronto's at. Toronto's got high expectations and the expectation is they're going to go is they need to go deep. And, you know, you're not going to find a whole lot out about Toronto today or or last night you're going to find out more about toronto and you know game 55 or into their first round of the playoffs kind of things so you know so i was a little bit more curious about montreal last night and yet they still lost ian so i know that you had a lot of thoughts why don't, why don't you jump in you can go both ways the one thing i will say about montreal is exactly right i mean i think the game i think the third period we dominated the pace it was definitely our pace and then but those first two periods I felt like Montreal had our number in a big way so I I would say you know heading into this whole thing there's no reason to think that Montreal can't be as good and and the fact that that's even remotely possible is amazing considering where they were a year ago two years ago three years ago I mean it's it's amazing you know the, the one thing I will say is that well two things I love Montreal's young guys. Um, that kid, Cockton Yemi and um, Suzuki, like those dudes are ballers. And they're 20 and 21. Like they are ballers. And, you know, look, like Montreal has 14, one four draft picks in the 2021 draft. 14. So if they decide that they want to get super frisky at the deadline and make something happen – you know, they have Tatar, whose contract's at, over at the end of the year. You know, maybe they can find a taker for Juen. But they Ta-ta. can get they, they can get go go get frisky and go get somebody. And I think that's the most interesting part. And look, if Bergerman feels like they're close. And look, like we talked about this with Papetti. And Toronto should run away with this Canadian division. And if Montreal's right there, they should absolutely go get somebody. All right. So bear with me here. I, I want to start quickly on the Canadians. I think that for a team... and. A lot of people on Twitter last night were, you know, it's going to take the Leafs some time to get themselves together. They have so much turnover. The Canadians had a lot of turnover as well. They had a lot of new faces in there. And what came, what was screaming off the television screen last night was the Canadians team have an, an identity. They know who they are and they play that way. Yes, Carey Price gave up five goals. Not ideal, right? Was there anyone that you sit there and go, God damn it, he should have had it? Maybe the Nylander shot from the point. 
maybe the, the maybe Nylander's second when he walks in, but like you're not. Oh, like, he was he was excellent. He's like he's just open, and and the and the shot from the point. There was seven. There was like five people in front of the yeah. net. Carey Price didn't see that. So I just felt like and, they. Had, and by the way, Price is going to be made better by Allen too. The less he plays in the I regular agree. season, the benefit. Like everyone's getting all freaked out with ten million on goalies. Who gives a shit if the one if the one that matters is going to be better? What does it matter? And this is the weird thing. I I don't like moral victories, but this was a moral victory for the Canadians in this sense. I feel like they know who they are, and, and like I just said, I think they know who they are. I think they're coming out of this game going, "This is how we're going to play." They looked together. They looked cohesive the maple Leafs did not and i think that's their identity is that they have talent that they can't put together now in stretches and in small samples they looked unstoppable the maple Leafs looked unstoppable my biggest concern and i I know it's just one game is that i do feel that the pieces are here for the maple Leafs to be better than they were last year and potentially better than they have been in the past four seasons. But I did not like the combinations that I saw last night. I'm not going to sit here and shit on Joe Thornton. But Zach Hyman needs to be in a top six role. I, I'm sorry. He just needs That's to be. Question. I'm not going to sit here and say Ryan, that. Ryan, you look unsure. Do you not agree that Hyman shouldn't be in the top six? With Hyman? I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure. I mean, if, if you can find a way to have him in your third line and then have two quality lines humming humming ahead of them and you're better off but you know i i, I understand they want but unfortunately right the now player the that need, would be there is not there he's in colorado yeah so yeah i mean uh, yeah i i understand where you're going with it but you know again game game one line tinkering you you can fix all that you can try some things out you can put them because at the end of the day you want to have in the nhl you need four lines and, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that comes to, to uh, I got two, a couple more points here. And then Ian, I want to throw back to you before we get to the NFL. I thought the defense was for the, for the Maple Leafs was quiet in a good way. Outside of the Bogosian two bad penalties outside of him getting walked a couple of times. And uh, I just felt that Brody opened up something for Riley where it allowed him to be the player that he needs to be which is go, go, go. I liked that about the, the Toronto defense. Their team defense was less than ideal. Let's just let's put it that way. But that's always been this team's problem. It, yes, the, the, their defenders are not good enough, but the forwards don't help them anyways. The third line, Kerfoot, Hyman, Mikheyev was a travesty. It was awful. They, they couldn't generate anything. They weren't stopping anyone. The penalty kill last night was atrocious for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You talk about penalty kill, Ryan. You're a big penalty kill guy. It was embarrassing. Now, their best penalty killer was in the box twice. But I look at it this way. I take positives from this. William Nylander looked fantastic. He looked fantastic. John Tavares, outside of that blunder on covering for Bogosian, I thought was fine. And, and like He makes all the little things happen. And I think that quiet for this team in their downtime is a good thing. I didn't see them hemmed in their own zone for two minutes at a time. Like we saw last year where Tyson Berry can't get the puck out. It was more just like Montreal scored. We missed an assignment. It wasn't like we saw last year where it's like 10 minutes of the period is in their zone. There's nothing they can do about it. Austin Matthews. I thought, I thought was very, very good. 
Marner left a little bit to be desired, but it's game a little one. bit. It's game, a little bit. It's game one. And I don't want to just start making overhaul changes, Ryan, to your point. I am a bit worried about Freddie, but to your point, Ian, about Jake Allen for Carey Price, I think Jack Campbell can be that for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I look forward to talking much, much more about this. Get Wayne Simmons higher in the lineup, please. Please get Wayne Simmons higher in the lineup. He impressed me last night. I liked him. I did. I liked liked what I said. What I will say say is he he took your boy and put him in a body. Yeah, you know what? what? And and you know what's funny? Like, he goes to the box. They showed the clip after. He leans over. He gives him the thumbs up. Kind of like, you know, thanks for for for, for allowing, you know, going toe-to-toe with me there. Although you didn't really. Even though Ben Sherratt weighs 50 pounds more than Wayne Simpson. I Simmons. know. But I don't. I, I, if you look at the angle from just before the fight, I think Sherratt's looking at the ref and thinking, I don't know what he's thinking. If, if Did we get a penalty? Did they get a penalty? Regardless, Simmons was asking for the fight. He Sherratt dropped his gloves him. quick. Yeah, he did. He also gave him his face so he could punch <laughs> But I'm, I'm going to say one thing that I heard a lot of listening on TV and radio and Twitter and everything today saying that that was the turning point of that game, right? The Simmons fight is what brought everyone up. I the don't next goal was like seven agree. minutes later. That's really changed I mean, the they, game. They went, they went on a streak of, of, of power plays there. And then that's the, that's a team this year and, and in past years as well. You do not want to give Toronto multiple power plays, especially five on threes. I mean, that's a team that's going to put you away and bury you, and they did last night. So, Ryan, you co- you had Simmons in L.A. Yeah. What yeah, was yeah. your feedback on Simmons last night? Simmons? I, I mean, Simmons was Simmons last night. I, you know, he's he's not the so, – Not I mean, the guy not, you had. No, but, I mean, even when, like, I was there for his rookie year, and his, I think his first, second, third year when he was in L.A., then we traded him to Philly in the Mike Richards trade. but. He, he really came into his own in Philly. And that's where I think he was an all-star one time. And, mm-hmm. you know, he had some really good years in Philly. Now, you know, he's played 12 years. So, you know, I, I, I think the best part about Simmons at this point now is he knows what he is. And he understands what his role is on this team. And what his role is is something that the, these modern Leafs have never really had. And he's not, I mean, obviously he's one of the best fighters in the league nowadays when there's no, you know. Bolt Norris? Yeah. He, no, no he's one of the, fighters. He is one of the strongest people I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, so like he brings that element and then, you know, he just kind of does his job. And, you, you know, he'll go out there. He'll, he's going to chip in some offense. He's going to be physical. And, you know, that's what, that's what you need is, is, you know, just watching the Leafs over the last couple of years, especially against Columbus, you know, they just weren't hard enough to play against. And, you know, you want to go into the playoffs. You want to be hard to play against. You want somebody – you want the other team to know when they're leaving that rink at night that they played a hockey game. <laughs> and that's what he's going to do is he's going to make them much, much harder to play against. And one guy can't make you harder to play against, but if he can affect the mentality of the entire team – that can be a difference maker. And we saw a little bit of it last night. Austin Matthews throwing about his body around a lot more than he has done in regular season games. Looks like the Columbus Blue Jackets series, Austin Matthews, not the game one against the Ottawa Senators, Austin Matthews. So there's going to be a lot more of these and we're going to get to them. Ian, one more point before, on before, the Maple Leafs. Before we move yeah. on, the one thing I want to say about the Canadians, actually two things. First, 
what, what is Jonathan Duran's purpose? <laughs> what does he do? So no, it's, no, it's, I'm, no, I'm no, it's funny you say that because I was watching. What's his purpose? I'm watching the game last night. and I'm thinking like, like imagine have, if he have was you, good. Have you heard Jonathan Duran's name be called once last? And time? he's on a no. line with and, Suzuki and Anderson, who are just doing. Now, now he now he, he he finishes with three points last night though. Oh well, yeah, the which, puck must have touched. Actually, which, if the puck ricochets you know, off your stick and goes onto another, it gets you in uh, assist. There's, there's the secondary assist. But I'm just saying, like, is it going to be another year of that for Juen again? Because if that's the case, and and we've seen, you know, what will happen with guys, with Claude Julien, when he gets tired of them, he'll just put you down the lineup. He'll bury you somewhere else. He doesn't care. And there are opportunities for guys that are playing in the bottom six here to get to come up and, 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 and fill, fill roles, but. Well, it, it, the reason I ask is because we, we talk about this defense core and how good it is. And, and it is, I mean, I think Jeff Petrie is fantastic. If he was a leaf, he'd be my favorite leaf. I think he's amazing. I've always awesome. loved Petrie. Awesome. Um, he is, he's fantastic. You know, they got Caden Gooley coming. And imagine if this defense core had Sergachev too. Like it's absurd to think about. And this is all for Juwan. And, and, and honestly, it's like, you know, I, it's never a good sign when you t- play a team sport and you forget he's out there. And it's like Tyler Lockett. Montreal Ice. fans don't forget he's out there. <laughs> you no. don't forget he's out there. Montreal it's, fans. I'm telling you, it's Tyler Lockett-itis. His, it's like, his where is highlight, this person? Druin's highlight of the game last night was him trying to clear the puck behind the net off the ref, which jumped to the front of the net and led to, I can't remember. Jimmy VC. Is that VC's yep. goal? It was VC's goal. And I was just like, that there, that's what I think of Druen when that happened. I was like, that's yeah, laziness. classic Druen. Yeah. I'm a big, right? I'm a big identity guy. I love that the Canadians came out with an identity. And I think Canadians fans should be excited about that. And as a Maple Leaf fan, I'm not excited that the identity of the Jekyll and Hyde Maple Leafs was still evident in game one of this season, even though they won. But I'm excited to watch every game that the Maple Leafs play this year in this new Scotia North division, Ian. But let's get to some football. Only four games this week, boys, but they are big ones, and I'm sure that they were difficult to pick. Before we get to the games, there is something that I do want to point out. I'm a big DVOA fan. I I think that, you know, offensive, defensive efficiency, along with special teams, I've been following it all year. It hasn't helped my picks, but I do enjoy it. Of the eight teams remaining, we have number one in DVOA is the Saints. Number two is the Bucks. Three is the Packers. Four is the Bills. We skip number five, which is the Steelers. Six is the Chiefs. Seventh is, seventh is the Ravens. Ninth is the Rams. And then coming in at 18 is the Browns. So DVOA for the win for the final eight teams. And let's get to the first game. Ryan, I'm throwing to you here first. The LA Rams, your LA Rams who you picked against last week and broke your heart, are traveling to Green Bay to play against the Packers. The line is Packers by six and a half. Who do you have in this game? Well, first of all, that, that did I win again last week? You did. Oh, yeah. I was one in five. Although it was a tie between... Goddamn fucking Rams. We'll talk about this later. Go ahead. Right now, you are technically in the lead, yes. Okay. So, I mean... The whole thing with the Rams is, is I do think the Rams can play with Green Bay. I'm a little nervous about, you know, weather in, in playing in Green Bay with a L.A. team. 
Um, but it all comes down to where golf's, golf's health, health is and where Donald's health is. And, you know, golf is not the best quarterback around. You know, he's, he's kind of mediocre to a That's team. one way to put it. But, <laughs> by the way, that'd be kind coming from his family, just for the record. <laughs> but he's far better than what their alternatives are. And, you know, he just – when he's playing well, he just kind of just keeps them chugging along so the defense can, you know, win them the game. By the way, is um, there alternative now – not to cut you off. Is there alternative now because Walford's out? Is that Blake Bortles? Is that the alternative? Because he's I, definitely better than Blake Bortles. I have no idea. Blake well, Wofford, both Goff and Donald are probable. Walford is questionable. Wolf, Wolford. No, he's out. He's root out today. Okay, well, both my both Donald and Goff are both probable, which means they're starting. Yeah, yeah it's Bortles. But, but, it's yeah, Bortles. But, but where is Donald at, right? And that's what makes me nervous is, I mean, I'm, I'm taking Green Bay here. Um, I, I do think that the Rams D is good enough to hold the Packers offense down a little bit. But to me, I don't think you're stopping Green Bay's offense enough, and I don't think that the Rams can score. So I think – that you know maybe they can keep them to 28 points but there's no way the rams are going to score 30 points so to me this is as close to a lock as i got on my on my picks here this wow. is ryan, ryan i have no i have no locks this week but no this is i, I had two is, that were close. As close as i got got to one i i think green bay is going to take this and you know the six and a half doesn't scare me at all I see. I, I don't know how you're doing. So th- this team has done so well by you on this podcast all year, and you are flat out shitting on them two weeks in a row. I, I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it. And look, like I think, I think Green Bay's been outstanding. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in football. Like Aaron Jones has been great. Like all of that. All of that obviously is true. Um. It's kind of a nightmare matchup, though. Rams are third in the league versus the run. So that could make the Aaron Jones thing not that much of a factor, unless the screen game is really working or, you know, Jamal is able to come in and really protect the quarterback, um, which is possible because if, if Jones gets into the second level, he's going to cook those linebackers. Um, and again, you know, so, so that's a factor. You have Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams. Who, ask Mr. Metcalf how that went. Well, obviously, hold on. on. Devontae Adams is not Metcalf. I I, did I not just call him the best wide receiver in the league? And to me, to me, Green Bay, their Green Bay's offense is way different than Seattle's offense. I I completely agree. Green Bay, they will design ways to get Ramsey off of Adams. They'll run rub routes and all different types of things they can do. Yep, quick plays off the line. Seattle. As we saw last week, they play way too much, you know, just lock it and uh, open Metcalf a just runs. Yeah. Open a prayer. Just, well, that's it, why Schottenheimer got Seattle, fired, right? Se- yes, Seattle takes way, like their offense takes way too long to get going. Green Bay can run real quick plays. They can they can get Adams off of, or get Ramsey off of Adams. I don't disagree, but the big playness, I, I think, isn't going to be there. And again, and if you are relying on a big play, it's Marquez Valdez Scantling and good luck with that. Um, then, so, so let's say, let's say, you know, maybe Adams doesn't catch his two touchdowns. Maybe he only gets one, right? 
Jones against that running game that Donald's going to be a part of is it, is it obviously another factor? And then that leaves Aaron Donald versus Aaron Rodgers. To me, the two best players in the league this year, you know, Donald's coming off that injury. Obviously you talked about, you know, but what kind of effect is he going to be on the game? And, and the beauty of Donald is that, yeah, he doesn't always get all the sacks, but if you watch the game, he is constantly in the backfield constantly. It's like him and DeForest Buckner just live there. It's like the whole line is like, okay, we'll go where you normally go. And, and again, you know, Bakhtiari is out. I think that is going to be a factor. Look, I think Green Bay is going to win. And honestly, I hope they win. I don't want to watch, you know, Jared Goff and all, and that offense score six points, you know, on route to a Super Bowl again. I just don't feel comfortable that it's going to be, you know, this sort of Green Bay runaway that we think. And I'm done betting again against this defense. They are petrifying. And if they're if the Rams defensive coordinator doesn't get a job tomorrow, then I don't know what to say. To me, the under is a lock, the lock of all locks. Ooh. And I got the Rams. Go ahead, Tom's. I, I do have the under in this too. I think that's a lock. I think I don't know. Is it, is it going to be the weather that's going to play a factor in this? Is it going to be a team that no has snow, rest no snow in the fort, no snow in the no forecast. snow. Just, just oh, weather with golf is going to be oh, no no. Oh, we're getting there. that's that's yeah. Right. I mean. It, Koval, you talked about stands. You talked about too, like like injury wise with 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 Donald and with Goff. I mean, it's it's tough. Both both will play. Both are going to play through this. They're going to you know they're going to do their 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 darn best to make sure they they bring everything they got. But I I don't know if if that is going to be enough, right? Man, Green Bay Green Bay doesn't turn the ball over. That's that's a big thing, right? Uh, Seahawks did a good, they're sorry. The, the Rams did a good job of, you know, forcing turnovers that pick six, for example, you know, these are all things that I, I don't see happening against this green Bay team. Right. And I like the under, I like the Packers in this one as well, too. I'm not going to continue to keep adding things. You guys hit a lot of nails on the head there. Give me the Packers, man. When I first saw this line, I was actually surprised it wasn't a little bit higher. And I didn't think that as, you know, we're disrespecting the Rams. The Rams have no chance. I just felt with the betting public being the way that it is, I thought this line would be seven and a half, eight, you know, and, you know, sitting at six and a half, a lot of sites have it at seven. I'm going to say this. I have the ultimate respect for the Rams defense. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, fourth against the pass, third against the run. But guys, I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers at home, in the cold, against whose team has a broken thumb, and when he's fully healthy, should not be under a touchdown on the road in Green Bay. It it just shouldn't be. Now, for when it comes to betting, this is a stay away for me because as we've talked about, we don't know what Rams team is going to show up. But this is not Seattle's offense. This is not Seattle's offensive line. Even without Bakhtiari, the Green Bay offensive line is top of the league. Top of the league. Bakhtiari is the best tackle in the league, just for the record. Yeah, I'm aware. And even without him, they have been just fine. This is not Seattle's. Russell Wilson has to run around for for five minutes to then throw downfield after DK Metcalf has broken off his route, right? So, again, it's a stay away from me. The Rams are 0-6 against the spread against Green Bay in their last six. Now, 
that is is a nice stat on paper, but it spans over 10 years because these two teams never play each other. Rodgers is not a useless stat, though. Ramsey versus Adams. Donald versus Green Bay Stout offensive line. I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers under a touchdown at home against this Rams offense. That's all that I'm going to say. The, the Green Bay defense is not good. I understand that. And there is a path, and we're going to talk about it later with the, the Cleveland Browns, that there is a path where the Rams can keep this close. But this isn't 10. It's six and a half. I have Green Bay. Oh, oh so by the way, the all the trends. Think- sorry, Ian. All the trends. The lock. The under is a lock, by the way. Go ahead. So the... The one thing I think that's interesting, the difference between this game and last game for the Rams is that we talked about on this podcast when we, I I asked the question to you guys about who the two best players in the game was last week in the Seattle game. And I think, you know, we, it was a roundabout way of me saying the Rams have both of them in Ramsey and Donald. That's obviously not the case this time. Uh, I think you could probably argue that Donald and Rogers are neck and neck, although I'd probably still lean Donald. Um, and then, you know, Adams and Ramsey, I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, you see those guys going up, the, the world is going to explode. But, you know, we don't have that. So I, I completely understand the Green Bay love, but I, I'm just done. Be- you know, I said it midway through, I'm never picking the Rams again. So they're obviously going to lose now by a ton. But I respect this defense way too much. And by the way, when your coach calls you the Terminator, which McVay calls Donald, I don't feel like betting against the Terminator today. Well, let's get to the next game. It does not involve a, a Terminator, but it does involve two teams that eerily are similar. The Baltimore Ravens are visiting the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are under a field goal at home. The line is minus two and a half. The over-under is 50. Ryan, haven't heard from you in a little bit. Go ahead. Who do you have in this game? This one was super, super hard. Um and I'm, I'm going to go Buffalo. I'll probably take – I'm going to pass on the over-under. I'm not 100% sure on that one. What, here's the thing with, with, to me with Baltimore and Buffalo. I think Buffalo is a better, better all-around team. But the, what worries me with Buffalo against Baltimore is obviously the run. And, you know, Indianapolis – had six yards of carry against them. They had, you know, I don't know what it was, four or five big runs of, you know, over 12 yards. Um, and that's what Baltimore does. It, it, especially now we're in the playoffs and, and Baltimore showed last week that they're willing to unleash Lamar quite a bit more. That to me, I, I'm not, I'm nervous for Buffalo that this could be a bit of a, you know, a, a scary game for them and a bit of a trap game because I, I think Baltimore is playing really well right now. And it's all going to come down to me to how Baltimore's defense plays against Buffalo's offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Baltimore's defense has a shot to slow down Buffalo's offense. And the reason why I say that is because Baltimore is a super heavy blitz team. I think they blitz more than anybody in the league. I think that will give them a chance to keep Allen in the pocket a little bit more. And then they've got two really good corners who can, you know, cover on the outside. So this is either going to be a game where Buffalo has got to get the running backs going or, you know, they got to hit Beasley in the 
in the tight ends quite a bit in the middle of the field because I think, you know, I, I think Baltimore has, has every piece put together to win this game, but I'm still going to go with Buffalo because I think they're just a little bit better. Tom's, are you agreeing with Ryan? No, I'm not. I, it's this it's The one thing I will agree with Ryan is that this was probably the toughest one for me when it came to actually picking and, and, and looking at, you know, performances of last week and, and how teams match up with each other this week. I mean, Lamar Jackson was very good last week. He was uh, against Tennessee, and, and, and so was that defense. I mean, they stuffed Derrick Henry. Uh, it's not like we're going to see the, 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 the greatest run game this week with, with, um, with Buffalo, but it's still uh, you know, a cause of concern. Uh, this is a confident team right now that that's rolling through. Uh, they finished what the they finished off that regular season with five straight wins. This is a team that gets hot and gets trucking. And they they could be one that's that's hard to stop. You know, Buffalo's issue has been, you know, their third down. Right, they live off them off the, offensively. You know, they so they lead the league in third down conversion. But Baltimore, on the other hand, is second in the NFL in third down stops. Right. And, and if you continue to stop the teams and get the ball back, you know, Lamar and, and, and that attack and, and that run game of his and, and, and throw in some of, of J.K. Dobbins as well. You know, this is this is going to be a run game that could potentially rip through that Buffalo defense. So I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I think it's going to be a, a back and forth game. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I like the over in this game, but I do like the Ravens. Ian, I I have a question for you. We talked about the run game. With Zach Moss now out for the year, do you think that has a little bit of an impact in this game? I think it has a serious impact, mostly because I think Devin Singletary sucks. Um, But the thing I will say is, you know, Ryan mentioned the Blitz, and you're absolutely right about the Blitz. But Josh Allen cooks against the Blitz. And, you know, I I think obviously Diggs and Humphrey is going to be really interesting. But what we saw yesterday and what we saw last week is how just how important Cole Beasley is. And the thing I like is that, you know, he's one week healthier. And look, all the signs point to this being a Baltimore game. They crush against the run. Um, Ravens, the the Bills defense is a laughing stock at the moment, which I I don't quite understand what happened because the personnel is largely the same. Um, but that's what we're seeing. And I know if I'm Kansas City, and we're assuming Kansas City is going to beat Cleveland, if I'm Kansas City, I'd much rather see Baltimore because, you know, they, uh, frankly, Lamar can't keep up with Mahomes. Allen, in theory, can. You know, I, I again, I think, I, I do believe that Baltimore is the pick. I mean, that rushing offense is, what, 230 yards plus for the last five games at the end of the season. And look, I, I know, I know he's hurt. But as soon as they got Ingram out of that rushing rotation, everything opened up. And I think that's pretty telling about where they are. So, you know, they're they're obviously hot. I, I really just want Buffalo to win, and I believe in Josh Allen. I believe Josh Allen's the best player on the field. I do think we are going to get to the point in the playoffs where Lamar's going to need to make a throw. And frankly, we haven't seen him make that throw yet. I mean, I think he was good last week, but he was mostly good with his legs. Had a, had a couple really bad throws in the beginning, bad turnover. And look, if you turn the ball over against Josh Allen and the Bills, they are going to make you pay for that. Tannehill and Henry and those boys weren't able to do it uh, you know, last week. And we're going to see. I think what, what we're going to find out is just how good Stephon Diggs is. Because if he's the top five guy that I believe that he is, he's going to go out and he's going to cook Marlon Humphrey, who's physical but may not be able to, to handle Diggs' speed. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. 
Um, we 2020 was a really horrible year. A lot of horrible things happened. We as sports fans have earned, have earned the right to see Kansas City and the Bills. We need to make that happen. I'm going to try and speak it into existence. It is over and it is Bills, even though Baltimore is probably the pick. Is it just me or did the Bills look meh last week? Like, I know a lot of that can be attributed to Ryan Coville's Indian, Indianapolis defense, but still, it felt weird, didn't it? Well, the one thing I will say is that they, I think they struggled to get going, but I think the thing that I liked the most is that A, their offense was able to make plays when they needed to, but B, more importantly, is that they found a way to hang on. Because it would have been typical Buffalo bullshit to let that game slip away and to blow it. And I think what you saw is from two teams that haven't been relevant forever, from Cleveland, who we'll get to later in Buffalo, was that they hung on. And I think that was really, I think that's like really important for them. And you mean that the Buffalo bullshit that would have happened is in that, was it, it, Pas- the was it Pascal that was blatantly standing up when he fumbled the football and they called him down by contact when no one had touched that him? Was talking about that was nonsense. Okay. So let's get here. Judon and Marcus Peters are both questionable. Uh, Peters, they assume, is going to play. Judon, it's still unknown. But again, as I mentioned, the Bills lost Zach Moss for the season. Buffalo has won seven straight, eight and one against the spread in their last nine, while Baltimore has won six straight and is seven and no against the spread in the last seven. So not giving up much there on the trend side. Baltimore's defense was relentless last week. And Ryan, you were on it early when we were doing the picks last week. And to do that against Tannehill and Henry is extremely impressive. It's, it's I, I kind of mentioned this off the top. It's really weird. These teams are oddly similar where they have extremely fun, volatile quarterbacks. And they both have glaring weaknesses, which can, is... Can I ask you a question on that, though? Sure. Are we past the point where Allen's volatile? Oh, I think that he's that No, because that dude, right, that dude's just balling now. Like in the beginning, in the beginning, especially that Rams game, dude was an ab- early in the season. The guy was oh, an absolute roller coaster. I agree with you. Last but, I mean, week, I he was we not. Hit the, I think we hit the point now week. where he's just like, I'm a bad dude. And I just gets, think that's where we're at. And that gets me to my final point. Is this, was either of these two teams' games last week the Super Bowl for them? Because Baltimore beat that Tennessee demon Lamar won a playoff game Josh Allen in the first home game for Buffalo in God knows how long and for him his first playoff win won you know this is where I struggle is I always look for obviously with gambling you know you look at you always want to look at stats and trends and DVOA and you know kind of what teams are good and bad at but a lot of times it just comes down to you know nonsense and I god damn it no, I'm not changing my pick. I'm going Baltimore. Even though Baltimore felt last week like that was more their Super Bowl than it was for Buffalo, it's so close that I'm going to grab the points. That's what. That's how I'm thinking right now. By the way, my only lock of the week is the over here. 50, it's an over. Let's get to the next one. And guys, if you don't mind, I want to start only for one reason. We have the Cleveland Browns visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by 10. The over-under is 57. So, Ian, last week, you wanted to talk about roadmaps for Cleveland winning. Oh, I have one. I have one this week. And and I tried to get you and Ryan back to come back on 
because we couldn't really find a clear roadmap until Juju Smith-Schuster opened his big mouth and said that the Browns are going to Brown, right? And I wanted to just come back on and change my pick because at that point- such a fucking dipshit. You know, he's dancing on on logos and it's just like that. You, you don't do that. So let's go through a few roadmaps here, Ian. Because and we're going to talk about covering because in all honesty, I don't, I don't think there's a roadmap for Cleveland winning, but there is a roadmap for them covering, but let's talk about Casey first. Obviously they get out to an early lead. Mahomes is Mahomes. Cleveland is forced out of their own game and to throw the ball because it's they're behind. So that, then now it's Baker versus Mahomes shootout that Mahomes, you know, kindly wins in a landslide. The roadmap for Cleveland. Kansas city is the second to last rush defense in the NFL at 31. So Cleveland comes out and exploits Casey's biggest weakness, which is run the football. Cleveland has Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt to do so. Garrett is an absolute animal, forces a turnover or two, keeps the game close. Mahomes being Mahomes edges it out at the end to go to the AFC title game. KC is 0-7-1 against the spread in their last eight. These lines are just too inflated for that defense. It's just not good. They have good pieces. It's just not good. Cleveland's defense, on the other hand, definitely gives me pause, being 25th in the NFL, but getting Ward back should help them in the passing game. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns. Tomes, do you agree with me? I do agree. I do agree. I think, I think, is it 10 or 10 and a half here? I have 10. 10? I, I... I still think like double digits is still crazy in playoffs, right? I mean, as good as Kansas City is, I mean, here's a, here's one thing you can you can count on: Kansas City is not going to snap the ball over their head the first play of the game. I mean, I think we can we can lock we that so. in, right? I think we can lock that in. I mean, we got to give Cleveland some credit, right? I mean, they came out sharp. Uh, they had no head coach when Stefanski was out for right. They due to COVID. Uh, they've had an off, an offensive line that's been banged up, you know, and they still found ways to to get up often and get up early on, on that Pittsburgh team, right? But I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a, a turnover margin here of four or five plus turnovers forcing this game. Like you said, can can Miles Garrett force two? Yeah, I think so. I, I absolutely, they can, he can. Right? The guy's a beast, right? But points off turnovers is 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 where is where you're going to need to, to try and win the game. I mean, Cleveland's pass rush has been very good. It's very strong, right? And and their offense has been has been grooving. I mean, you've seen Baker make good, smart plays and not be a dummy, right? But I I still think at the end of the day, you know, Mahomes is just too good. That offense is too good. I still believe in Andy Reid and his system and what he runs there and what he does there. I, there's no question. Expect a shootout in this game. I love the over in this game. Uh, I think the Chiefs potentially could get up early in this game. Not something we saw necessarily last year with them, right? But something that we could possibly see this year. Uh, but I do like the Browns to cover in this game. Ryan, are you on the Brown train? Sadly, I am. Oh, no. I don't like and where this is I, going. No. My, my, I do not think they're going to win this game. Well, no. And my heart well, does does not want me to go with the Browns because change your I despise, pick. I just, change I your despise pick. them. Um, but to me, it's just that it's the 10 that's too much for me. 
And, and to honestly, I, I feel like the Browns are possibly the worst matchup for Kansas City. And like Baltimore, like and honestly, to me, the best matchup for Kansas City might be Buffalo because then you know Buffalo, Kansas City get a shootout, and Kansas City will just out, outlast them. Yeah. But the problem with with Cleveland is is you can just see a a and you were talking about a path. You can see a path where, you know, Cleveland just runs the ball. They kill a bunch of the clock. They limit Kansas City's possessions. Their defense gets a stop or two, and all of a sudden it's a game, right? So, you know, that's the – and the, the key for Cleveland is going to be how often can they keep Kansas City to field goals or less, and then how much clock can they take off when they have the ball. So I can see it a small path to a win here for Cleveland. Um, but to me, Kansas City is going to win this game, so I don't like the 10 points. I This one's interesting. This one's really interesting. Um, last week on this show, we talked about roadmap. What does the roadmap to victory look like? Because I'm not interested in the roadmap to cover. I'm interested in the roadmap to win. Last week, we talked about Garrett. We talked about Baker, you know, performing at a high level. And then we talked about Nick Chubb having a Derrick Henry type 200, you know, type explosion, something like that. Those things didn't happen, but other versions of them did. Baker, I thought was great. Um, Kareem Hunt completely stole the show with those two TDs. And while it wasn't Garrett making Big Ben his bitch, it was the Cleveland defense centered around MJ Stewart, BJ Goodson, Sione. Taki Taki. Those boys got it done. And look, like we talk again, we have to talk about roadmap before we get into this because look, it would be so epic if Cleveland won. Um, here's the thing Sean talked about the run defense is horrible. Um, the pass defense isn't very good. I think if you're Baker, you have to point out where's Traverius Ward every time down. Brashad Breeland is not a shutdown corner, but Traverius Ward is whatever the opposite of that is. So whoever is on that side, whether it's Landry, Higgins, Peoples Jones, whatever, it's going to whoever Ward's cover. So, so can he, Baker do that? He's the and Malcolm, then, he's the Malcolm Butler of this team, is what you're saying? He's the Malcolm Butler of this team, although he's worse than Butler to me. Because at least Butler can tackle. Ward just doesn't do anything. And the goal needs to be hanging tough as best you can, capitalize on turnovers, run the ball and chew the clock. If that's the roadmap, which I think it is, I don't see how this is an over. With all that said, Andy Reid is coming off a bye. Patrick Mahomes just saw his MVP trophy get ripped out of his hands and head to Wisconsin. So I think we can romanticize about picking the Browns, but Mahomes and Reid off of a buy, this business is getting handled. And why we're at it, Baker Mayfield is going to meet a new best friend on Sunday. And that best friend's name is Chris Jones, because Chris Jones is going to be all over that dude. This is Chiefs. This is lock Chiefs. Wow. Lock Tom, it down. Tomes, you want to respond to that before we move on? I, I like just the, the last couple little points that you put in there, right? Andy Reid and Mahomes coming off buys. Mahomes, like you said, potentially losing the MVP. Oh, it's Rogers, lost. It's lost. Right? I, I, you know, listen, I, I, I've gotten to see Andy Reid a whole lot of my life off buys. I mean, especially with that team, though. That, that's, 
this is a guy, and again, I, I keep going back to last year. Well, you know, this was a team that started off slow against their opponents. Could it happen again this year? Possibly. Do I think so? Maybe, maybe not this year, right? Maybe not. Maybe they are, they have a little something to prove, right? Um, I, I tell you one thing, it's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, hell of a game, yeah. man. You know what this reminds me of? You guys, so I think it was like the nine-year anniversary of this play. But you remember when Team Tebow beat the Steelers and he hit Demarius Thomas in the middle field and Thomas, yep. it was like a, it was probably like a 10 yep. yard slant. And then Thomas just took it to the house. And that place in Denver is like fucking shaking. You guys remember what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, of course. So for the whole week, because Tebow and the, and, and the Broncos were able to pull off this massive upset. I remember looking at that and there's like the entire, the, the Steelers might as well have parked their team bus in the box. That's how much they were blitzing Tebow. And you know, after that, we got all excited about this run that the, the Broncos could go on. And maybe there's some magic here. And I think that we're seeing a little bit of the similarities with this. Anyone that expects that the Browns can go in into Kansas city and go in and beat them. I, I just feel like we're romanticizing it a bit. I, I think whatever happens, it has been an unbelievably successful year in Cleveland. Stefanski's going to win coach of the year. Baker Mayfield's back. The running game is the running game. And like they want a playoff game on the road against an arch rival, like in an epic performance. Yeah. And I think, Everything else now is gravy. I think but the romanticizing good. is over. I think that's a good point because the Chiefs may be the Patriots of this era who ended up shit kicking Tim It Tebow was a stomping. In the next round. But let's get to... Because Belichick was just like, <laughs> hey man, uh, throw to anyone that you'd like. Good luck. Speaking of the New England Patriots, can we get to the last game? We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the New Orleans Saints for the third time this year. Ian, the line is three for the Saints. Honestly, this one's easy. You know, like, what, what are we basing this matchup on? Or how, how much stock are we putting into the regular season beatdowns? Because are we doing that or are we looking at what it is in the present and Tampa Bay is a different team than that. You know, I'm looking at this as if the regular season things don't matter. And the fact that there's no fans in the stands that takes out the home field advantage. It does not matter. Brady's in a dome. So that's one way to put this. this. Is easy. <laughs> Devin white, Devin white is back. He's off the COVID list and he is going to introduce himself to old man, old man Breeze. This is a Tampa win outright. It's going to be an amazing game. Tampa win outright. Lock. Wow. Ryan is a third time of charm for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm saying no. Ooh. I, I, I'm taking New Orleans. I think New Orleans is just a flat out better team. I trust New Orleans defense way more than I trust Tampa's defense. Um, mostly their secondary. I think New Orleans secondary is far better than Tampa's secondary. Yeah, it's excellent. Um, and to me, this is to me this this is going to come down to um, you know, the, it's just the way that they the just the passing game of Tampa Bay, I, I think New Orleans can shut it down. And the offense of New Orleans is excellent. They the only thing that slows down New Orleans offense is when Sean Payton 
like five times a game. Taysom Hill. Send out Taysom Hill for a, a design run straight into the defensive line. So other than that, you know, to me, this is – it is really, really hard in this league to beat a team three times in one season. That is my only worry about this. Otherwise, I don't think Tampa can beat New Orleans. I think New Orleans is just a better all-around team. And I think uh, New Orleans takes this one. Can I ask you a quick question? Is there – how many linebackers in the league do you think can actually genuinely stick with Kamara? Probably not many, right? But if there were linebackers or safeties that could, chances are they play on Tampa. And the only thing I will say about Breeze is like, what point are we at in terms of trusting him? How much do we trust Breeze? How much do we you know, that's what it comes down to. Like, cause we can say outright that Tom Brady is a better quarterback than Drew Brees right now. Right. So with a stout defense like Tampa, like, and Dominican Sue doesn't care if you're retiring at the end of the year, he's going to try and stomp your leg off. You know, like I, I, Hey, how many, how many teams are built to stop Kamara as well as Tampa? There's not many. They got tons of speed between those linebackers and safeties. And yet they haven't been able to, to this point. True. But they were a different team. Yeah, they've slowed down Kamara, though. But the problem is, is that they can't stop anything else. Well, no, it's going to be a lot of Carlton Davis on Mike Thomas, and that's going to go predictably poor. Go ahead, Tomes. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to start a little differently, but just to keep keep feeding off off that, that great conversation there, like, yeah, what happens if Tampa actually finds a way to, to stop Kamara, right? And and the Bucks say, okay, go ahead. We'll give you everything underneath. We're going to make tackles. Now try and throw the ball deep on us. And Breeze can't do it. I remember going, having this conversation, at least with you, Sean and Ian, back in week, might have been, I don't know, week two, week three, early in the season. And we were just talking about, you know, Brady and Breeze and which one looks older. Who's more washed? Yeah. Who's more washed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure I said Breeze at that point. I'm going to stick with that now, right? I I, I mean, Brady, at least Brady, the thing with him right now is he's looking in sync with his offensive weapons, okay? And they are going to work. Particularly A.B., that guy's come a lot. That's what I mean. He's finally shown, listen, at at least Brady's made a point. Listen, I've gone out. And I've put put my name on the line to get you here and to sh- to show, hey, listen, we can make this work. And 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 he's been playing well, and it's hard to take that away from him. And even you know they've gotten a boost with 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 Leonard Fournette even last game with their run game with Ronald Jones out, right? And 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 I hate people say, well, you know that Washington team, whatever, they're not that good. Yeah, but Washington had a very good front seven. They had a pretty decent defense, and he was able to chop it up a bit. Okay, I think both these teams still at the end of the day got somewhat of free passes last week playing the the Washington football team and playing uh, the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. But I, I, I think, Ryan, I think you mentioned it. It is hard to beat teams three times in a season. Um, I, I definitely like the over in this game, and I'm going bots. Tampa has been outright dominated by the Saints this year. Outside of that opening drive of game one on Sunday, they have been dominated. Uh, Tom Brady has five picks in the two games against the Saints. He has seven in the other 14 games that he has played. But 
Are you going to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs to lose to a team that he has already lost to twice? I'm not. I'm not. This is the number one rush attack against the number one rush defense. And this is kind of like the Baltimore-Buffalo game to me. It's close enough that I'm going to steal the points. And yeah, I get it. Tom is playing at night on Sunday when he lost 38-3 to to this entire team. But I'm not going to bet against Tom. Not in this spot. Ryan, do you have another thought before we uh, we end the podcast? No, I don't. I'm, I'm sticking with my pick. I, I think I, New Orleans, to me, is just a better team. Better all-around team. So I want to throw around to everyone. This is unprompted, unsolicited. You guys didn't know about it. Does anyone have a best bet this week? Because I have one, and it's a teaser. I'm going to tease the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, and the over in the Buffalo-Baltimore game. All tease them by seven points to get to plus 140 on the bet. Do either of you, any of you, have a best bet? Because I do want to include this in future podcasts where, yes, we're picking. It doesn't mean that's who we're betting on that weekend. We're not fading our picks, but gambling is unique. You can make different choices. You can do different things. That is my bet of the week on the podcast. Does anyone else have a bet of the week? I don't mind the Browns scoring first. In particular, maybe Chubb scoring first. I don't mind that. Um, I think I think Rodgers to Tunyon could be interesting for the first touchdown. That would be really interesting. Um, I'd be interested to know what, what, what those are. Um, there's nothing else I really like. I mean, too many of these games are going to be too close. Like Buffalo and Baltimore, I already feel like I picked the wrong team. The Rams and Green Bay, I can't believe I took the Rams. Um, but, you know, like it just feels too close. So th- those are the two. I could see Chubb first touchdown or I could see Tunyon first touchdown. Because I think, I think Ramsey is going to – he's not going to envelop Adams, but he's going to do his best. And I, I love the, the Tunyon first touchdown or first score of the game even. Tunyon, really Tunyon first touchdown score is five to one. So not as oh, good not, as you would think. Yeah, wow, see? You know who don't sleep on either? Uh, if you're a Bills supporter, I don't mind Dawson Knox to catch the first touchdown. Because early in the games, Allen's always looking at his tight ends. And then once he realizes that he has Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs, he doesn't need to do that. He stops. <laughs> So I think Buffalo, if they, you know, Buffalo's first score, I think Knox will probably be like 10 to one. 10 to one. Good call. 10 to one. Ryan Tomes, any best bets you guys want to lay out there? Not for that. Like I said, the only one I could have thought, and and Ian snagged that one for me was, was the Tanyan one for me, but, (laughs) but, but you telling me it's only five to one, man. Could you five to one? You bet on amount of tackles. Uh, I believe you can, yes. Because I would bet the house. I would bet the house on Devin White and Levante David crossing like 22 and a half. No, I, no, you can't do that. No, <laughs> You can't? Because yeah. I think I think Devin White's going to get a billion tackles on Sunday. Ryan, just, just for back. Ian, can I just for Ian, can I, can I throw out Javarius Ward pick six for a score? Mm, oh, that would be amazing. Pick six on Baker Mayfield. 
<laughs> so he he would don't be even the put field. that in the universe. He would. Be I have the to field. say though, I have to say last thing. If Traverius Ward does do that, then I can no longer be a Baker stand, and I can't be a guy that is convinced that he's going to be good. If that happens, if you get inter pick six by Traverius Ward, it's time to hang it up. Wait, but you're still convinced he's going to be good? <laughs> I'm. Oh yeah, I still think Baker's going to be good. He was good this year. What do you mean? It was fine. He was okay. We, we made it. Okay, was he in the top twelve? Yeah, but that that's fine. He's right there. That's the definition I, I, of fine. I just said yeah. good. I said good with with he's not even twenty six yet. With chance to improve with the new coach, this is good news. For I love this. He's going to be good. He's not even twenty six yet. In the NFL means young, and in the NHL means old. Oh, but here we are. <laughs> here we are at the end of the, the divisional round picks podcast. We covered James Harden. We covered the Toronto Maple Leafs returning to the NHL, the NHL returning in general. By the way, boys, please look at the scores in the NHL. There is a lot of scoring in that North Division. Tomes, Ryan, Coach Coville, thank you so much for joining us. Ian, please sign us off of the podcast. I have to ask, if you guys could any quarterback from 2018 draft, that is the Baker year. Three of them are currently in the playoffs. Put them in order as your parting gift to you two. Put them in order of how you would rank them. Can I go first? Holmes, Close you shot. can go first. Let me go first. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen. No, Lamar's in it too. Oh, yeah. Lamar went 32nd Lamar, that Lamar, year. Yeah. There's Shit, he's in the first round. Yeah, Remember sorry, the picture sorry. of him sitting at the tables? Head yes, down yes. Moms. So then, to me, oh, that's tough. You think Josh Rosen's better than Sam Darnold? Come on. I, d- I do. I, re- I truly do. Um, then, fuck. Alan Lamar. Hard, right? Baker. God damn it. And I don't feel good about Ryan? it. Ryan? Al- Alan by far. Well, yeah, Alan by far. Lamar second. Those two are locked in. Probably Baker third, but I, you don't like Darnold better than Baker. Get the fuck out of here. I think I, I listen. I, I think that if you put Darnold in a spot where he doesn't have a moron coach and they actually know what they're doing, Darnold can be a really good quarterback. If you, you put, watch him in college, and I think Baker is a clown. Did you watch Darnold in college? Darnold in yeah. college was allergic to his own teammates. It's never a good sign. Tomes. He's taking this so seriously. No, because I wanted to change something, but I'm not changing it. Say was, Lamar over Allen. I was going to put Lamar over Allen. Yeah, we like, riot if you do that. I here. don't actually believe that. That's Lamar won an MVP. It's not. I know he did. Crazy. I know he did. And then and, and we riot. No, it's not crazy. You're right. It's not. But like, if you take everything going on, especially this season, like Allen has blown me away this year with what he's been able to do. I guess that that is that is his true his true colors. But with that being said, you go yeah, it's it's exactly what Ryan said. It's Lamar, it's it's Allen, Lamar, Baker, Darnold. And I'm not talking about the other guy. No, no. By the way, you letting him go, your team letting him go is oh no, we no sorry, you're not a Dolphins fan. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they got their own problems. Sign off the podcast. Thank you uh, to everyone listening. Thank you, you guys, for joining us. Remember, always, always wear your mask and don't be an eagle. Star.